first things have passed away, Lord God. Help us to walk into the new thing that you are doing as your saints. Amen. Please be seated. Happy All Saints Day. Thank you very much. It feels strange to have All Saints Day today when last Sunday was the eve of All Saints Day on Halloween. This long, stretchy middle because All Saints Day landed on a Monday and it gets moved to the following Sunday so that we can celebrate the Feast of the Church. So here we are. As some of you know, um, last weekend I was away at a funeral in Ohio. My husband's nephew died suddenly, tragically, at the age of 38. I'd known him since he was five. And the family is still trying to find its footing again after what feels like an earthquake. We got back last Sunday night as trick-or-treaters were making their way down the street. And so for me, it has felt like the Feast of All Saints all week long, as I've walked with the raw questions that fill the space left by a loss like this. So today's a good day to face them head on. On All Saints Day, we as church honor all the holy women and men of God who have died, the saints, both known and unknown, especially those who led devout lives or were of heroic faith and whom we count on being with God. And because I was raised a Catholic, I know this crowd pretty well. When I was a little girl, I loved to read the lives of the saints. And on library day at St. Hilary's School, I would rush to the section of the library where they had the easy reader books on the martyrs. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> And I recall at least one tugging match with another kid over one of those books. It's interesting that my behavior was far less than saintly when it came to getting my hands on those stories. <laughs> and oh, what stories. I still remember the story of the first century martyr, this little boy who smuggled communion bread under his tunic to deliver it to Christians hiding in the catacombs, only to be discovered by his unbelieving friends and martyred right there on the street. And that resonated with me, because it was not unlike the playground at St. Hilary's School. <laughs> and that's true too <laughs> but then there were also you know growing up with the gory pictures and the statuary like saint sebastian's church was just down the street and they had a statue full of arrows and then there were those beautiful stories of the miracles like the rose petals that fell from the sky at the death of young Therese of Lisieux the little flower, the child of Jesus. 
I'm not sure so much that it was the lives of the saints that really appealed to me as it was the deaths of the saints, actually, when I think about it. Because images of martyrdom were a very big part of my second grade imagination of the saints, as were monastic tonsures and the habits of nuns. And I can still see very vividly those watercolored portraits with the eyes sort of all pointing towards heaven that were in my picture book of saints, circa 1972. Perhaps some of you had one of those. It was yellow. But All Saints Day isn't just for the heroes. We roll in on this day as well, All Souls Day, the Feast of the Faithfully Departed. We recall friends and loved ones who have died in the faith. Our nephew David will be in today's necrology. And this is where the celebration of the Feast of All Saints gets a bit trickier because the faith of our loved ones can be a very private thing, largely hidden from us. While the questions and the doubts they had, they might actually walk with us, just as we walk with our own questions and our own doubts. We do not know what our beloved ones encounter at death, just as we don't know what our death will bring. And so for me, the Feast of All Saints tends to me be more about what I hope for or have faith in rather than what I'm absolutely certain of. And that makes it a good day for me to be in church because our worship, reminds us of all we do know about God's love as we've experienced it. It's patience, it's forbearance, it's forgiveness and it's welcome, it's power to restore dignity and to fill people with life. And we cry out to a God who is that love and we want that love for those who have gone before us. So this is my leap of hope and faith and imagination when it comes to the Feast of All Saints and its questions. I believe that at death, God makes the offer of eternal life abundantly clear. And that our choice to enter that life is no longer clouded by our moral failings or our traumas or our misunderstandings, or our limited human imagination, all those things are wiped away. But the choice remains, like a new covenant or a renewed vow. But here's the unspoken challenge, then, of the Feast of All Saints. Why make the choice now? Why live as though we know what comes next when we don't fully or we can't really? And to answer this, we, as church, turn again to what we know of God's love as we've experienced it. It's patience, it's forbearance, it's forgiveness and welcome, it's power to restore dignity, and it's ability to fill people with life. And we turn to a God who is that love, and we want that love in this life, for this world, 
And so we commit to living it as best we can, imperfectly, earnestly, in faith. I think that is what the life of a saint looks like. Saints believe anyway, despite their doubts. They love anyway, despite the evil that tears things apart, that often tears them apart. And they reach for God anyway, despite all the limitations that make it hard to see God clearly. And God reaches back into that life with the will to be found. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. This from the author of Revelation, who is paraphrasing the prophets of old. The story of the raising of Lazarus that we heard today from John's Gospel, that is a story of the passing of the first things. In the Gospel of John, it's the sign that the old way of death is gone. There is no waiting until the end of time when the dead shall be raised, which was a common idea in Israel. The time is now. The way is at hand. And it's interesting to me that Jesus stands on the threshold of this new age when death will be no more and mourning and crying will be no more, when every tear will be wiped away, that Jesus stands on the edge of that new age and he weeps for Lazarus, who has died. And I think that this was the great consequence of God making the divine home among us, that God would feel what we feel the loss, the catastrophe, the bewilderment experienced in the sluggish slowness of our time, even as God's promise is poised to come rushing in in God's time. God does not dismiss our misery because God knows how the story ends. And so Jesus stands in the now and the not yet with Mary and Martha and their mourning friends, and he suffers with them in the loss of their brother. Because it's not really a comfort to say that eternal life is on the way until it actually arrives. Meanwhile, Jesus lives the long moment of loss with them. He lives it with us. He is living it with my husband's family in Ohio right now, and there is real comfort in that. But John's gospel doesn't stay there. It actually pauses there only briefly, and then Jesus calls Lazarus from the tomb, and Lazarus comes forth. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> my favorite part of the story 
is when he emerges from the tomb, all wrapped up in his burial clothes, and Jesus says to the shocked crowd of witnesses, unbind him and let him go. Because that's God's call to us, everyday saints, to unbind people from the stinking stuff that clings and inhibits and trips them up and to help them step into the new life that's right at hand, like beautiful new clothes. Which makes the story sound a bit like baptism, with its new garment, its cleansing waters, its scented oil, its candle to light the way out of the tomb into light. And that's why All Saints Day is traditionally a day for baptism, not simply a day to recall those who have died, but to welcome new life as well. It's an alpha and an omega sort of day. The promise of the Feast of All Saints is that we need not wait for an old life to end and a new one to begin, even in the chaos of this current time. It's heaven all the way to heaven, writes Dorothy Day, my shiro, founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, who I am sure is in heaven. She was paraphrasing St. Catherine of Siena, who reportedly said, all the way to heaven is heaven, because Jesus is the way. And for now, on the Feast of All Saints, I will take their word for it. Amen. <laughs>